Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. It's Flames Nation Radio, episode number 33 the second edition during the Battle of Alberta. I'm Ryan Pike. He's Shane Stevenson. Hi, Shane. Hello, everybody. And this is the podcast that totally remembers what episode it is. We are in our second attempt at recording because me, a very smart man, a genius, some would say, depending on how what you think of my predictions of prior seasons, uh, I forgot what episode nor we are because it's been a long year. Uh, as weeks. 33 weeks is not is not not nothing as always we're delivered to you by doordash and by eau claire distilleries rupert's whiskey the official whiskey of the calgary flames uh the first round was a time for celebration for fans of the calgary flames and they i imagine a few folks imbibe various flames themed beverages and food products uh because of the triumph of the first round and i think it's safe to say shane the second round has been so far, a little bit less triumphant. We're recording this on Wednesday. It'll go up on the on the on the site and everywhere you get your fine podcasts on uh, on Thursday before game number five. As there was recording, uh, the Flames are down three games to one in a best of seven series against the dastardly, devious, hated Edmonton Oilers, who have to be a, they have to be a very good hockey club, actually. It's easy, which to is kind them. of it's easy to hate them because they actually did some good moves this year. Which which sucks because I know I one of the worst things I said the Oilers could have done for other fans was hiring Jay Woodcroft because Jay Woodcroft his language and how he spoke about the game Jay Woodcroft very, just was seems very like good. such a chill dude like and, Jay Woodcroft just seems like the type of dude that you know you and I could just grab a beer with and he would just he would just nerd out about hockey he seems like that kind of dude and honestly I I like Edmonton staff like Glenn Gullitson when he was here oh, I don't think Gully was an ideal head coach I mean he seemed. I love Jim Playfair, but Jim Playfair had a few attributes that for some reason the co- you know, the team just didn't clue into. And, but if you look at, G- at uh, Jim Playfair, Jim Playfair has had a very fruitful and lengthy career throughout the National Hockey League as an assistant and associate coach. He's just, he's just a good coach, can be a good head coach. He hasn't, he, in the places he's been, he hasn't been a good head coach. You could say the same thing about Glenn Goldson, but you could also say the same thing like Glenn goldson has been a, very good uh, assistant or associate coach in his various places. Uh, Jay Woodcroft brought in Dave Manson with him from the Bakersfield Condors, and he's slot in their their blue line group is solidified. Their power plays cooking like they're they they've turned into at the same time. I mean, I think uh, I thought saw the stat and Shane, you're you're our stats guru, so you'd probably remember if I'm correct if I'm remembering this correctly or not. The the Calgary Flames were the I believe the the hottest team in the National Hockey League after the All Star break. Number two is Edmonton. And I don't think we gave Edmonton enough credit. Yeah, they were up there. 
Yeah. So well, they went me, on a bit of a they went on a bit of a skit. Like they, Woodcroft took over and they they got the coach bump, was what everyone calls it. And they went they won on a bit of a streak, but then they lost a few games. They lost like three or four close ones, like in a five six game span. And everyone was like, "Oh, there they go." But then they came back and they were two wins, one loss down the stretch, and they were good. Like they earned their playoff spot at, at a home ice advantage in the first round. They they earned that. They were the second best team in the division. They they were if they had made the coaching change and, like two weeks before, and they it might have called Calgary. And it and it time. doesn't help that you have a motivated McDavid playing in doing, he's doing ridiculous things on the ice. And I'll say, I'll say it is so just, hard to defend a guy that does things to motivate McDavid. We had a, a yeah. motivated McDavid, a motivated Nugent Hopkins, Darnell nurse. Zach, seems Hyman. Zach, motivated. Hyman. Zach Hyman might be like Zach Hyman Zach is a really good pickup. Mike Smith is playing out of his mind, but I mean, there's a lot of things going right. For the Edmonton Oilers and there's a lot of things going not right for the Calgary Flames. You might as well, break down the series uh, because I don't think we've done an episode since the series began because we, we posted our earlier episode a day early so we could get it up before game one. So game one was a goddamn track meet. There's really no way of dressing it up. Uh, It featured three very subpar goaltending performances. The best goaltender in that game was Was Nico Koskinen who came in halfway through and took the loss anyway. Uh, Mike Smith gave up three goals and got the yank. Uh, the winning goalie gave up six, and some of them were particularly good, and he got the yank. Uh, and it featured two teams that basically saw a defense and went, nuts to that, let's just score some goals. And it was a, an eventful game. It was an entertaining game. If a lot you, of weak if goals. Both a, lot of, the coaches, a lot of goals that should have been stopped. The, the, goal, the goalie coaches on both sides – uh, Dustin Swartz and uh, the Flames goaltending department. They're, they're all bo- on both sides are probably just tearing their hair out going, Jesus, we're mixing it safe, boys, for everybody involved. Dan Vildar was the only one who got through it unscathed, and that's because he was sitting on the Flames bench with a cap on thinking, please, God, don't put me into this thing. And Dan Vildar got his wish because he did not get subjected to that game. So it was it was a track meet. It was It was good. It was fine. It was wild. And I'm pretty sure all the coaches were very glad for it to be over. Game two featured uh, a 5-3 Oilers win. It was, again, another game where the Flames got uh, early lead, and then the Oilers came back, and it was it was, it was was both the games. Game one was tied 6-6 early in the third period, and then the Flames won that game. Game two was tied 3-3 at the beginning of the third period, and then the Oilers won the game. So, you know, if, if the, the first two games were more or less a saw-off, and then – in the third period, one team, one of each, said, we're going to win this one, and did. So, and again, the Oilers lost game one because they made mistakes in the third period that the Flames pounced on. Uh, game two was the opposite. The, the Oilers won because the Flames made mistakes the Oilers pounced on. Two breakaways, I mean, one shorthanded breakaway, and then, uh, you know, a really nice play to spring. I think it was, was it Mike Smith who sprung Leon Dreisaitl with that nice bounce pass into – it was it was Smith that sprung it, but it was a very terrible play by the Flames defenseman to half go for it and then decide he didn't want it, and then he just got burnt. This he team, sort of got caught in no man's land, and then Drysdale got going. He went to lean up like he was going to grab it because it was a little out of Dry's reach. Realized that Dry was probably going to get the better of him, and then tried to back up, 
but it was way too late at that point. And that's, 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 one of the, that's, that's one of the ones where it's, you know, in that moment, you can imagine it's supposed to be tough. To it was, that's been that situation. It was, it was a bad, the, the, the fourth go ahead goal was a bad goal too. It was shorthanded and Anderson charged. Oh, in you, remember, it was, it was that, it was the and one tr- where the flames had won the face off. They were trying to pass it to the point or to the, to the right slot. The left no, side of the slot. Anderson, Anderson had pinched in. Anderson ventured in. There was no one back. He turned the puck over, and there's no not one just back. A, not just a turnover. It was a really smart play by Ryan Newton Hopkins putting a stick in that lane. It basically, So instead of having – you have you have Anderson ready for the one-timer. Look, you know, his eyes, eyes as big as saucers waiting for that pass. And then Newton Hopkins gets enough of it to sort of put it into his feet instead of into his wheelhouse. He goes. Oh, but he, wait, no, what he the was hell? at the top of the circles, but he would. He, he, no, he snuck. He snuck in. Yeah. He snuck in. Yeah, he, he snuck in, and then and then as soon as you, you don't get it there, you don't get possession, or you don't get it back down low. It's two Oilers. Well, it was Hyman, and he was just gone. Hyman was gone as soon. Hyman as was Hyman saw open ice, and he was going to buck sixty five up the QE two all the way to Markstrom's net, and he he it, it's put like it clo- in. It's like put it in time that donut mill. He he was Breaker. like, I gotta get going here. Yeah, yeah pretty much. but so yeah, it, it was it, as it was equal parts. The Flames made a poor play, and the Oilers made a good play. And Anderson did not realize yeah. the puck was in his boots until it was past him. And then all of a sudden, it's four three. And then a few minutes later, it's five three, and that's all she wrote. Uh, went up back up to Cal- to Edmonton for games three and four. Uh, game four was or game three wasn't a particularly good back. game. The Oilers just beat the ugly out of the Flames in the first period. James, uh, Jacob Markstrom played his, out of his mind, and then in the third, in the second period, um, four goals, no a series problem. of miscues. Like it's it's a kind of it's a kind of thing. Evander where Kane scored all three of his goals from the same friggin' spot. The same the, play. The, the same, same play. Same play. Off all four goals were off the rush. All four goals were off the rush. No sustained pressure led to those goals. All of them were gaffes on missed coverage by players or players who weren't back far enough or players who chose to cover the wrong person. And, and, and Vander Kane scored all three of his goals, pretty much touching the blue paint. Like, like they just let's, let him walk up to the front let's of your see house. see if we remember these ones. Out. Let's, let's walk through the pain very quickly. With Hyman. Uh, so Hyman on a, basically the, the Oilers had a, a, a power play at the end of the second or end of the first period that carried over in the mm-hmm. second period, the flames killed it off. Uh, the Oilers have a very good power play, and I think that I think the Flames were basically a little bit fatigued from that PK, and so the Oilers they have a three man unit coming in: McDavid, Drysaddle, and, and Hyman, and the Flames back in a little bit. And you, if you're a defenseman, your choice is either you give them the blue line and you take away the middle of the ice, like you don't let them get through, or you pressure them at the blue line and make them dump it in or force a turnover. The Flames seemed to do neither. They were sort of, they were sort of like, do we, do we go here? Do we not go here? So they basically sort of backed into like the, I think the, the closest guy was sort of in the, the hash marks high slot area. Mm-hmm. And then the Oilers were like, sweet space. So it's just a pass over, a pass over, a pass over to open up Markstrom. And then they planked it far post. And he was off the post. Markstrom was sliding the other way. He lost his net, but I think they, they still want him to have they, that. They but that's when you, you don't roast him completely. That, that's the kind of, well, the, the, if you have three guys coming in with speed, moving the puck that well laterally, hmm. your goalie's going to move laterally to try to cut off the angle. And then yeah. he just picked a spot. So it was, it was equal parts, a good series of passes to open up the goalie and then a good shot to take advantage of open up goalie. So that's one of the ones you go, man, the D probably should have done many different things in that one. 
Zach Hyman next, hasn't missed very much. It, Zach it's, Hyman's it's been excellent this series. It's annoying. The, the next three goals were all basically variations of the theme. Flames go into the offensive zone. Flames do a thing. The thing doesn't work. Pucks turned over. Pass. Odd man rush the other way. And then someone passes it to, to Kane and he shelves it over the goalie. And yeah, it was those, McDavid the first time. And then I think it was McDavid second, twice and Drysaddle once. But the one time it was Kane walked in. Kane, uh, one time uh, Shillington jumped over to cover McDavid and he just kind of left the center lane. There, like normally you'd, you'd think the center or the first four checking forward would come back and help, but the Oilers had numbers and the, 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 four, the, the four checking forward was some, somewhere up by the Flames bench. That's how far yeah. back he was. Yeah, so so Kane was able to just walk in on one of those and just and just be and you know what when you're shooting the puck from literally in the goalie's crease, odds are you you, you probably can score. Yeah, score. Those, those are the kind of ones where you're like, man, it'd be super nice if Jacob Markstrom could make a game series saving save, but also, geez, help your goalie out, boys. Yeah. I mean, goalie that was I don't think any yeah. of those you really say are on the goalie. No. Uh, it was just I think it was you know, and, and Shane, you probably you, I know you I wrote about this. I talked about this on uh, on various media outlets this week. Uh, I think the challenge for the Flames in Game Three was uh, you know when Mark Giordano was here, he sp- you know he spoke at the end of a couple seasons in a row, but I remember this vividly the end of the 2021 season when they didn't make the playoffs. And his observation was when the Flames got down in games, they would try to tie things up all at once. So basically, what that means is you, you know the Flames play you know under Jeff Ward, they played a, a, a structured system that didn't really have a lot of you know fast checking, but it was the same basic structure as the as the Flames do now. The Flames just play you know, a much more aggressive struck, you know, structured four check than before in all three zones, but it's, it's the same basic defensive structure in terms of breakouts and stuff. So the thing, the thing that, that uh, the flames didn't do, you know, the flames, the thing that the flames tended to do, you know, they, Oh, they gave up a goal. Like say, Oh, you know, someone, someone makes a cool offensive play goal. The puck goes in whoopsie doodle. Uh, you're down by a goal. So the bad flames for like a better term would sort of stretch out their coverage a bit in, in so instead of having a compact five-man unit yep. with really smart short uh, the 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 term that uh, you know bill peters used short uh, he used uh, the term short fast to, to basically say short fast passes so you develop speed in your game by doing you know having everyone so, sort of close to each other so that your breakouts are someone on the boards gets the puck pass to one guy pass to another guy and you're out and mm-hmm. then you get speed in the neutral zone, and then all of a sudden you turn around the neutral zone four checkers and the other team, and they have to chase and so on. And so it's, it's you create speed that way. And so when the Flames do things poorly, or they did things poorly under Ward and Peters, they would instead of having everyone be compact and close to each other, they'd be like, "Oh, what if I'm like an extra ten feet out this way? I'll have a little bit an easier time getting some getting some uh, some zone space." So guys start cheating a bit in terms of their distance from each other. So you have defensemen making that pass, but it's a 20 foot pass instead of a 10 foot pass or a 15 foot pass. So there's five more feet to get, to get off target or to get swatted down and intercepted. And you tend up, the tendency was they stretched their coverage out too much. They'd be giant gaps in the coverage guys on the other team would go, Oh, I'll just stand there. And so they'd stand there and they're, they're, I watched I watched a few, uh, some of the worst hockey games I've seen games against Dallas and games against Minnesota and games against Anaheim of the last like three, four seasons where the flames would get down a goal or two. And then 
they would stand in the neutral zone and just swat down those those outlet passes and just clutter up the neutral zone. Yeah. And all of a sudden, oh it's God. a 2-1 loss because the Flames might get one back. But the, the idea, is, the problem with, with opening it up too much is you give up a lot of turnovers in the neutral zone and turn to odd end rushes. The flames, and you give up a lot of possession and, too. Like you're dumping the puck in and you're throwing it away, and then you yeah. have to rely. So it's on either the when, when, when when Daryl Sutter talks about plays dying in the neutral zone, that's sort of the thing he's talking about. There's also sort of a case of overcommitting offensively in the offensive zone. So the you, you know anyone who's seen the Flames play this year is if the you know, the defensemen are very active, but the idea is you know defensemen's from the point sneak in and someone cycles back to cover it up. So you never have one guy at the point. You might not have two defensemen at the point, but you always have multiple guys at the point to pass it back to you know get different looks different coverage like the power play does this very well because you know generally speaking outside of say when Rasmus Anderson over commits on a pinch your power play tends to always have two guys at the point and again they might not both be defensemen but it gives you that little bit of a comfort zone where oh no they're 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 challenging us flip it back to the point to stone flip it back to the point to Shillington flip it back to the point to Hannon uh you know you have an outlet uh what the Flames did against Edmonton in game game three was they had like three or four chances where they got deep in the older zone and either turned the puck over at the top of the circles or turned the puck over below the circle. Like they just they had three turnovers where guys got cut way back. And then it was a two-on-one or a three-on-one or a three-on-two, like an odd man rush the other way. And when it's when the guys getting those chances are McDavid, Drysidle, Kane, Hyman, you're 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 cooked. Because unless you're unless you have your yeah. best unless you have like a freaking Norris caliber defense in there to break it up, and the Flames don't, they have some very good defensemen, no one Norris caliber yet. But when they have all man rushes against the best player in the world, the hottest initial goal scorer right now, and Leon Dreisidel, who is I don't know, number he seems like top he's five not that Seems he won't when shoot he's, when he's he healthy. He's he, top he, five. He, he was shot in the first game, but he, he's been passing off a lot of, like he's been looking off and passing more often. Uh, it's worked though. It's well, worked. I think he's, I think he's lost a little power with his high ankle sprain in, in his shot and he, he's not using it as the way he wants to. I don't think but, he can, but I don't think he can plant and get that, yeah. get the power through his body as much. That's just a smart adjustment. And that's the, that's the problem. They're playing against top, top, top end, like McDavid and dry settle are top end players. They're players. They are, they're, they're top end players. They're players that Calgary has in Johnny Gaudreau and that's about it. And, and in Johnny Gaudreau is not at McDavid's level. I, I love Johnny Gaudreau. He's not, he's not there. What, what McDavid's doing and McDavid can do with his skating ability is something that I, I haven't seen out of any flame ever. It's, it's like he, the one, the, he did this one play. He did his own entry. He got the puck in, turned, behind, turned backwards. The puck's glued to a stick. I don't know why. He never loses it. And he skates in. He, instead of getting checked, he skates backwards, angles off towards the boards. All three guys clump up go towards him and then there's a pass and then the, the other guy just goes wide the other guy just goes wide and then mcdavid just i can rim it around the boards or fling it right across and because everyone's looking at him and it, that's the dangerous part you have to respect the other players but you can't give them too much space and it's hurt that in game three that torched them that torched them and game three I can live with that. They didn't play good. They lost. They deserve to lose that one, in my personal opinion. Let's game talk about two, game four. Game two, I'll go back to game two for a sec before we go on. Game two sucked because they could have, should have won that. They had too many power plays for the Oilers. The gate, and those they are penalties, folks. These the, the 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 infractions the Flames are committing are penalties. So they shot themselves in their own foot in game two. Now that sucks. 
It sucks, but you're okay. You're down two one. Let's come game four and let's play. And they did, but they didn't get the result they wanted. That was they a good I, I, game. They played well structure. They got back to their short, quick passes. They they were better on their forecheck. And the problem is every time the Flames would mess up. Like the Flames, if the Flames mess up five times in a game, the Oilers have been scoring on four of their. I, I would days. say I would say the the Flames puck luck has resembled what it was early in the Dallas series, where the Flames would make two and mistakes and they'd end up in goals. Uh, like here's an example. Here's an example of game four. Uh, so the the highlight reels will have whoopsie. Uh, rolling puck on uh, Jacob Markstrom, right to Ryan Newton Hopkins. Ryan Newton Hopkins oh. goes high on the goalie, like you're supposed to. Mm-hmm. Uh, diving goalie, put it over him. He did it. Good, you know, good position. You want to say uh, it was a gift? It was a fluke. Yeah, but he also made a good play. He so, also knows the boards in his own arena, right? Like, you yep. know, you know, he they know, and especially they got a goalie that plays the puck and, more than and, anybody and else in the league. So, guy, guy who's been on that team since that that building open the longest standing order i thought he Brian Newton happens had a very good he was game. right where he needed to be he, he's right when it bounced ryan, ryan nugent hopkins is their backland and i think ryan nugent hopkins is he is i would say he's underappreciated outside of edmonton he's well, much he's like i think hell of a i deal. think michael i think michael backland's underappreciated outside of calgary uh mm-hmm. but i would say i would say like yeah so the first goal whoopsie uh 21 seconds in flames had a pretty good first period uh, another mistake where Kali Earncroke tries to throw the puck up the wall to, I think it was to Gaudreau, but it didn't get to Gaudreau. It got oh, picked off by, by uh, uh, Leon Dreisaitl and then passed to Kane coming, coming into the high, high part of the zone. Dreisaitl, that, or, that was uh, the third goal, yeah. Kane wanders in to do the shot and bless his heart, bless his heart. Uh, Zadorov gets a stick in, but when he gets a stick and he doesn't get enough of it, so it just ramps up and sort of turns into a knuckleball making it impossible for the goalie to really track very well. Well, Mike uh, McKenna, Mike McKenna of DFO, uh, former NHL goaltender, longtime AHL goaltender. Longtime ECHL goaltender. Yeah. He's been, he's been everywhere. Um, he, he tweeted out uh, today. And I, I was razzing Markstrom because I said, that's far enough out. Even if it's deflected, you, you hope your goalie gets that. And McKenna says, no, he says the way that was going, whatever. He's like, that's almost impossible for a goalie to reset. He says the, the, the deflection off the stick was the problem. It was. It wasn't a shot. He's like, if he actually probably let that shot go through, Markstrom probably gets it. And we, we saw him get, get about a dozen of those similar styles well, of shots. The the high I mean, the high slot shots from, from that well, side. Well, I was listening to uh, a little bit of the St. Louis Blues Colorado Avalanche game before we recorded this uh, on just on the radio. As Aaron on Fan Nine Sixty, they were talking about Steve Eiserman and how he used to just make sure that he, it never was a stick. When, when he was young and he was trying to build that winning culture, he was laying always his body. Leading score, it didn't matter. He was laying his body out, and he was making sure that that puck didn't get through him in any way. It hit your body. McGear was, Rod McGear was really good at that, too. Very so was Chris Russell. Chris Russell. So was another Calgary. guy that's really hurt right now. So was another guy that's really hurting right and now. And we'll talk about him in a second. But, yeah, I, I agree. I, I, felt bad. I felt bad for the goalie in that one. Um on the second goal, you were right that the, their off tip was the third goal. The second goal was uh, a not particularly smart puck battle that turned into basically a slew foot by Tyler Toffoli. Uh, the, the NHL did not uh, levy any kind of supplemental discipline on him, and he was lucky. I mean, Tyler Toffoli has a clean oh, record, clean as a sheet, so I think he got the benefit of the doubt there. He was battling on the boards, and I think Guy lost his balance as he swept the leg, you know, karate kid style. And thankfully, you know, it seems like everybody was fine. 
So no, no supplemental discipline, but Toffoli took a tripping penalty. And then if you take a tripping penalty on the Edmonton Oilers, you better damn well kill that penalty. And the, the Oilers moved the puck well. And then, as we mentioned, Leon Dreisaitl had the puck on uh, to Jacob Markstrom's left. And the Flames just sort of stood there for like a second and a half going, so do we do we go to him? Because the, the, the Flames were basically – the Flames had like three or four guys sort of circled around McDavid, trying to trying to block off his ability to shoot. It was a smart thing to do in the power play because Connor McDavid's really good at hockey. Problem is, they were so committed to bottling up McDavid that they basically gave Drysdale an extra half second to figure out what he wanted to do. So Drysdale passed it to the backhand of McDavid. McDavid went backhand to forehand, put it on net. Markstrom made the first save, but Zach Hyman was to the to Markstrom's right, and he was battling. And battling is a very generous term for what this was. Hyman had position on Chris Tanev because Chris Tanev is playing with some manner of upper body injury that you, me, 80% of the listeners, 90% of the listeners, 95% of the listeners, when we eventually hear the severity of it, will go, oh, Jesus, why would you play through that? Uh, and he played through it because that's his thing. I don't know if it's a great idea for his long-term health. I'm not his doctor, nor am I Chris Tanev. I hope he's getting good advice and I hope he's hearing eating the advice. But needless to say, Chris Tanev was not at 100%, and Chris Tanev could not win that puck battle with Zach Hyman. Hyman had position on him, and the puck rebounded off of Markstrom, and Zach Hyman at the side of the net goes, thank you, sir, puts it in the net. 2-0 Oilers, we mentioned the third goal. So it was 3-0 by the end of the first period. Flames did a very nice job chipping back into it. Stayed the course. Yeah, they did the same thing as they always do. They had to out. Like you said earlier, they spread out in game three, right? They didn't. They stepped, they, they kept to the structure, they kept to the process, and they crawled back in. They got two goals in 36 seconds in the second period. Uh, Elias Lindholm on the power play from the Elias Lindholm spot, trademark, in the slot. He made a very nice toe drag move. Uh, he had time. Darn- Darn- Darnell, Darnell Nurse did what you're supposed to do. He went down and basically tried to co- tried to block the shooting lane. And Lindholm had enough space, but he simply just waited him out and put it past Smith. Which the Oilers weren't pressuring yeah. them on the power play at all. The Oilers were standing patented. They were only pressuring when it was at the point. The puck was low. They stood still. And Calgary, to, to, to a point, this next game matters. This matters for this next game. They're not pressuring them when they're down low. They only pressure them when they're at the point. So quit playing with it at the point and try to find some passing lanes. If they're, if they're going to let you sit there and stick handle the puck and a move your damn feet standing still trying to look for a passing lane while you're just stick handling ain't going to get shit done you got to move you've got to create the passing lanes yourself there's no more time to sit and wait do it second of all yeah if they're going to give you all that time you should be able to at the nhl level or at least try and shoot it off someone's friggin skate in front of the net and cause a havoc or a scrum and hope that smith who is very flaily leaves a hole open that's, yeah. And that's and that's what happened on that first goal. Lindholm had yeah. a million years to do it. Uh, Darnell Nurse did what you're supposed to do. He took away the he took away a lane, and then Lindholm created one by being patient. So that was a, that was a very nice goal to make it three uh, one. Jake uh, Michael Backlund just basically uh, uh, anyone who saw that overtime game, I forget which overtime it was. I want to say game five, uh, L.A. and Edmonton where in, uh, I forget which Oilers player it was, or which Kings player it was, but the Oilers player who oh, got uh, turnstile. Yeah, Adrian Kempe did it to Keith. Ke- Ke- Backlund did it to Keith. Yeah, uh, Duncan Keith's move on the left side of the Oilers yeah. zone is basically trying to make you go wide. And the problem is, 
Duncan Keith is not 20 anymore or 25 yeah. or 30. <laughs> so he's lost a step. So he, he can't really close the gap and force you wide physically enough as he used to. So Adrian Kempe, very good player, very underrated player for the Kings, turned mm-hmm. on the Jets, basically turned him into a pylon. Michael Backlund, who is no spring chicken, as he himself will admit, he's in his mid-30s now. Uh, early 30s? He's 31, 32? Anyway, he's not a spring. He's, he's on the wrong side of 30, but he's using his dad's strength to power around guys. So he, 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 he cut to the net. that He used his move, going backhanded forehand and putting, putting it on the goalie. It found a hole, a five-hole on Smith, made it 3-2. And then third period, the Flames kept at it. We saw the... 135 footer from uh Rasmus Anderson where uh, on, a, on a penalty kill on a penalty kill when when Mike Smith went oh god I should have had that should die uh that's a tough puck to track from that distance from uh I'm not know, giving him any benefit of the doubt that's you gotta stop that dude yeah, <laughs> it's, 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 it's the you one where you know he's, he's he's just the, the this body language was hilarious and in, you know that gave the flames a 3-3 tie and unfortunately they just didn't have enough details in the game to keep the game tied. Uh, there was the dump in late that the Flames could not collect, could not box anyone out, could not. Uh, they couldn't. The, they couldn't win the puck battle down low off the dump in. They couldn't keep uh, Kyle Yamamoto from getting that pass up to the point. They couldn't keep the point shot from getting through. They couldn't box out Ryan Newton Hopkins at the side of the net. So a lot of things went wrong for the Flames. And granted, the Oilers did a lot of good things on that shift. But I want to was... talk about that fourth goal real quick. You you go nuts, man. Because if Chris Tanev is healthy, Michael Stone's not on the ice then. He's not. Yeah. He's yeah. not. Shillington was the guy who didn't get the position on Nugent Hopkins. Guess what side of the ice he was on? The side that Tanev is normally on. Stone and him got mixed around. We saw early in the Hockey Night in Canada, Kevin Bieksa highlighted what Tanev was doing with Shillington on a shift-to-shift basis, saying, hey, Ben, be there for me. Be there for me. Poking him. Telling him, hey, just be there. Yeah, I, I, think, I think essentially the, the breakdown that Bieksa had, it was actually really clever. You know, I think as a side, I think Hockey Night in Canada on the national broadcast, Kevin Bieksa has been really good at integrating video and, and sort of talking things through. So guys in the Kev, Kevin, Kevin Bieksa was kind of a grumpy dude to deal with as a, he was a player. He's an excellent broadcaster. He can't say enough nice things about how he helps you break things down. But Tim, what, what the, what, on the video breakdown, like Shane's mentioned, one of the things that, the, that when the Flames don't play well in their own zone, the D tend to cross over and start chasing around instead of sticking to their side. And, and you stick to your it. side because that way it's easier for you to get a stick on a guy. It's easier for you to, to use your body on a guy. You know, so typically the lefty stays on the left side because that way you can tie a guy up from a certain angle. And the righty stays on the right side because then he can tie a guy up from a certain angle. The they'll, problem they'll cross is over sometimes, if, sometimes, if right? If the right hand D cuts him off and the guy dumps the puck in, the left guy goes and gets it. And if it only goes into the right guy's corner, the, the, the left handed guy will cross over. I think that's what happened early in the shift to get him going on, on the dump in. Yeah. On the dump in. But then, so then they're, they're, they're missed. They're off and they're not normally, they're not normal partners. They haven't been all year. They, they played together a little bit in the preseason. Seconds. They, they, you can't, you can't like sit there and be like, Oh, stone screwed up. Stone didn't have enough time to even understand ice time to even understand what was happening to even get into a flow of anything. So I'm not blaming exactly. stone. The point is if Tan is healthy, he's out there for that. And that don't happen. Tan is in front of the net. He cracks it. And, and he doesn't give up position on Nuge. And if he's physical as the way he's supposed to be, that goal doesn't happen. If Tanner's healthy, 
I don't think the Flames are down 3-1 in the series. I don't. If Tana is nope. healthy, I think Calgary has a lead. And that is a massive if, compliment. If Tana is healthy, the, the series is at least tied. It's, it's at, at least tied. But, I mean, so, yeah, but, it was... It was to say, they, they've was, got a good team. They've got a good goaltender that's having bad luck. They, they've got one injury. They've had one injury all year. And it happens to the most important defensive defenseman they have on the roster, which sucks. It elevates guys who haven't been playing in that role into a more important role. It, it basically <laughs> turned Good Branson and Zadorov into the second pairing. And the underlying numbers are screaming out to us. These guys aren't a good second pairing. They're a great third great. pairing, but they, you know, getting them high on the rotation, like you know, you know, you know why Oliver Shillington. You know, you, you remember the first week of the season, you know why Oliver Shillington ended up getting to the lineup in the first place? Because Nikita Zorov was battling something, but he was also a fairly lousy second-pair well. defenseman. He, they brought him uh, the, the, the pairings to the pairings in the opening night of the season, and the Flames played 7-D because uh, Tyler Pegley was injured and Blake Coleman was suspended. They didn't have the cap space to bring up a, a 13th, uh, an extra forward, so they went 11-7. On yeah. the opening night, it was Hannafin Anderson, Satorov, Tanev, and Valamaki, and uh, Goodbranson with Shillington as the seven. And it just did not work particularly well. And so they ended up shifting things around. Valamaki became the seven. Uh, they put in, you know, Shillington. They basically swapped Shillington and Zadorov for the second and third. And it, it worked, worked really well. It worked, it they, worked they kept all it, year. They kept him there, what, 70 games, 75 games, something like that. Like outside of when Shillington was injured, they, they, that it worked and it worked really well. They gave you balance in the top two pairings. You take out, you take out Tanev and everything gets kablooey. We and talk. guys are doing different things. We, if you go back to our trade deadline show, we, we talked about it. We said, we said, okay, we've got a replacement for Hannafin on whatnot and, and, and whatnot. We could call up Mackie or, Z- or Valamaki uh, for Anderson, whatnot. We had Stone. We didn't have a replacement for Tanner. We didn't, we didn't have one in the system. We didn't go get one. We went and got Yarncroak, uh, Yarncroak. I'm never going to say his name right. Um, it's, uh, is, we went got to Foley. Like, we went and got forward help. And we didn't we didn't get someone to replace or fill in the hole that Tanev could do because if you did get someone that skilled, you need to play them every day, and someone would be sitting periodically, and it just didn't work out. It just it just didn't, and yeah. and it's it's the one guy that you really didn't have a replacement for, and you can't replace his minutes. Now he's back in. He's playing at I think you said around like you don't we not I would let's be let's be clear. Neither of us know for sure. Neither. Yeah, yeah. We are gonna. T- we are get, uh, getting injury information out of Daryl Sutter is like trying. We, I'm not we, even. It's, it's easier to get. It'd probably be easier to get Daryl Sutter's bank code than his uh, his any injury information. You'd probably you'd probably be able to get a piece of farm equipment off his farm before he'd give you any information. Oh right? no, he's not giving you shit from his farm. Well, that's what I'm. That's what I'm saying. It's probably easier to get a piece of equipment from his farm than him to give you the info on his players right now. He won't give it, and he's not. I, I, I agree with him. Why would you do that? That's just stupid. But Tanev, we say roughly. I wrote sixty percent with fifty. Yeah, some, some, some. I'd say fifty-ish or forty. He was their best player. Yeah, he had their best metrics on everybody. He played seventeen minutes. They didn't shelter him. He, he, he was very visibly everyone on the planet could see he was hurt and he was still their best player so that's why i'm saying like if he's healthy this series this series is not where it's at 
So we're we're in a situation now where the series comes back to Calgary for game the A numbers five. Flames down three to one. The Flames have played nine best of seven series that have gone down three to one. They have won zero of them. Uh, statistically speaking, you know, it's 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 possible, but it's exceedingly rare for a NHL club to come back from a pest from uh from a series down wow. this far. Uh it's not impossible. It has happened. It is Again, unlikely. I'm stalling because I'm just checking. The NHL uh, stats people have a nice stats guide on their website telling you how people do in different settings. Uh, situational playoff records is what they call it. I'm literally scrolling a PDF. This is riveting radio. I can tell. I mean, uh, I, could, I, I could make some funny jokes, but I mean, that's the, all the jokes not, you make are funny, though. That's the problem. Not, it's not a time to make jokes. It's a serious time. We got to get some wins. Okay. So uh, in. Best of seven history, when a team is down uh, down three games to one, uh, all, all time, the, 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 the team that is down has won 31 series and lost 296. So <laughs> that is uh, 9.5%, less than 10%, 9.5% of series when a team is, is uh, down 3-1 that they win it. And uh, if, you're the home, if you're the team that has home ice, uh, it, it swells up to – uh, 15 out of uh, 120 series, so a 12.5% chance. So the Flames, it's not impossible. Uh, the Flames, this is maybe the fourth time in franchise history uh, the Flames have gone to have gone down 3-1 to the Oilers. They've made it to seven games twice. So it's doable. It's not particularly likely, but it's doable. I just, I'm sick you know, 31 years in the making, we just, we were waiting, we're waiting, right? We want, finally, maybe the Flames, this generation of Flames fans can finally have the upper hand on the Oilers fans. And we won't be able to just take them out trash talk. Right now, that's not the case, Blake. <laughs> they oh, okay, are let's, let's, if we're, if we're going to be completely honest here, okay, what's the difference been, been in this series? One, the Flames' most important stabilizing player at five on five, injured, missed the first few games and came back in game four, wasn't near at 100%. Mm-hmm. Two, everyone is being a little bit worse defensively. Not a ton, but everyone's a little bit worse because the other team has McDavid. So McDavid can just make stuff happen. And they also have a Kane and a Hyman and a Nugent Hopkins and a few other guys who are pretty decent. So like pretty quiet, eh? Like really, their bottom six really ain't done nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And and you know, what's the other thing? Jacob Markstrom is having a time in that. Uh, part of it is, you know, the it's if you look at the goals he's given up, there's the, he's given up a shit ton of goals in this series. You can't really dress it up. He's given up too many goals. But if you look at the goals he's given up, there's a lot of them. Pretty much all of them, you look at it and go, oh god, they did not do anything to make his life easy on that goal. Uh, you know, I think what he had the, the, one of the goals that Hyman scored from, in game one from outside of the dots, where I think to fully sort of stayed with his, his check and keep the, kept the guy on the outside. And then Hyman just sort of put it glove side and he just beat, beat him glove side from, from a weird angle. I mean, it was just a bad tracking by the goalie. Uh, and then the rest of them, it's like, there's, there's very few goals, you know, sure. The, the goalkeeper he gave up puck. There's been a few, uh, there's a bad bounce kind of on him, not in his net. I know it's, you're supposed to play it, but I, I mean, it sucks, but a bit on him. I'll give the Hyman one a bit. He lost the net a bit. Still cross-ice pass. Not the easiest thing to do. Uh, first game's a write-off. I'm not even talking about the first game. They won that one. I'm just, it was a... It was a well, like, even look at game two. Breakaway, breakaway, 
like yeah you would love you would love you would love to see jacob markstrom lay out and make a highlight reel save on the two breakaways the end of game two he didn't you would love to see him make uh some sort of a miraculous save on any of the four three or four insanely good scoring chance the flames gave up that ended up in goals in game game number four or game number three he didn't do any of them mm. but they're also like insane difficult yeah. ones to do he made the first save on the uh, the power play goal in game four that ended up going to hyman at the at the post i mean mm. that's just that's just a good play i think mean, i still think it was just the flames were trying too hard to keep mcdavid from doing things and they end up giving tries had way too much time uh, and then what stick in the lane that, that, uh, from Zedrorov who, that butter, that, uh, knuckleballed on him. Like it's a lot of it. It's a comedy of errors. And it's not really a thing where you go, Oh man, the flame, nothing, nothing about the losses the flames have, have withstood have made you go. The flames are a bad team. And, and this is, this year is terrible to write off. It's the kind of stuff you go, Oh man, this is like every bit of bad puck luck. And you know, like it's weird goals against and just, Every single mistake they make ending up in a really good scoring chance the other way. The, the, the Flames defense have made some gaffes. I, I'm going to be honest. The forwards really haven't. They've been in their position. They've been doing their jobs. They've been getting the pucks deep, and they've been on the four check. They've been on the back check. It's really been the deep. Like when, when there's a great Oilers chance, it's a defenseman that's made a gaffe. It's either a pinch or a bad pinch or bad coverage or you got missed around or you you, you, you couldn't. You weren't in the shape you should be to get your man. It really is the defense that's been the problem. Now, when your defense makes maybe six or seven mistakes a game, you hope your goaltender only lets in one or two. The Flames have been making maybe only five mistakes a game, like glaring mistakes. Almost every single one's been going in that. Like you need one, like it, you're not, you shouldn't expect it. You just hope that maybe one or two of those are stopped. You, you, like I said, you're not, you shouldn't expect it, but you hope. That, 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 that's the hope part. And it'd be better if the defense didn't make those mistakes, but that's not hot. It's there. Everyone's human. They're, it's going to happen. And you know, all, all regular season, Markstrom bailed them out. Anytime they did make yeah. a mistake, he was there. This series, he just hasn't. And it's, it's I'm not going to, like some people want to roast him over the coals. I'm not. I, I think he's been fine. Some people and, are like, and I people think are they... asking me if Ladar is going to start game five. I'm like, are you insane? You, you want to sit the Vesna finalist? Really? That's just, that's just not feasible. That's just, to me, that's ridiculous. Even, and, even like Dan Vildar would tell you, quiet down, you're drunk. That's a, that's a terrible yeah. idea. And Dan Vildar loves playing goalie, but Dan Vildar loves Jacob Markstrom. I mean, you know, Mar- Markstrom's done everything that's been asked of him this year. After, for lack of a better term, a shitty season in 2021, he didn't get a full camp. He, it took him a while. Like, I, 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 I sat next to Kelly Rudy in a preseason game. I forget how many years ago. Uh, it was during the preseason, and I saw Kelly. And, you know, it was when the Flames were going through their new two new goalies every year kind of thing. And I'm like, you know, Kelly and I had a long discussion. And I was like, it occurred to me, I'm like, you know, I played D for a couple of years growing up in very, very low level minor hockey. And my observation was, okay, so like, if I'm playing D with Shane, Shane's going to talk to you like, hey, here's kind of what I do when I'm on the ice. Here's what, what do you, what, what do you do? How do you want to communicate? Those kind of things. And so it, it's not, ter- you know, it's, it's, it takes some time to develop a shorthand with your defensive partner. And the Flames were changing over defensemen and changing over goaltenders. 
uh, you know, the flame, the flames got Chris Tana, the, the flames got a bunch of new defensemen. Uh, you know, the flames uh, were rotating through a bunch of different guys. The flames had two new goaltenders last year. Well, they had one new goaltender in March and Reddick barely played. And then they brought in Louis Domingue. And so it's a really challenging situation having no training camp and no preseason to really develop a shorthand and to figure out the tendencies of your boards in your building and what your defensemen do and how they react. And just, you know, how, how much more valuable is it for Shillington this year, knowing how to work with Markstrom and vice versa. And I think if you look at, you know, to a man, I think Markstrom integrated a lot more seamlessly into the team they did before. He also didn't get crashed into and get a concussion halfway through the season, uh, which also helps. He didn't lose like a month of his season and then have to basically gain his, he basically had to, you could see him during the end of last season, get his timing back and get his confidence back and get his mojo back. And it took a while. He had that. He hasn't swagger. really come out of his grief like that anymore though. <laughs> a couple of times, but when the guys are coming at him, you can tell them sort of hesitate a bit, but yeah, I think the thing is like this season, this season, everything that you would hope he would have to be successful was given to him. And as a result, he's been successful. He's been the guy that you'd say, man, if you spend $6 million on a goalie, this is what you expect. As, as Jay Woodcroft has mentioned, 63 games. Uh, did he play too much? I don't know. He, the uh, mistakes, the, the things he's doing don't scream to me, he's tired. It screams to me, he's just horribly unlucky. And it's a situation where his D aren't bailing him out the way he bailed his D out early in the year. I'm going to put that 63 game crap to bed because Andre Vasilevsky played through 63 games this year. And if you add in his playoff work from the last two years, there's no goaltender that's played more than him. And he's in the third round already. So yeah, you can, everyone can say all that crap and it is different per person, but boy, because of 63 games. And and the flames also had the flames also had Dustin Wolf up for a week at the end of the season, just to give just so that Markstrom didn't have to do practices. Like, like Sutter knows Sutter's Sutter's not, he's been around, he's played. People forget he's played this. He knows the rigors of the travel and, and going in. He, he, he's and also a guy nice. that he, he played the shit out of Mika Kippersoff and had sports science people monitoring Mika Kippersoff. He played the shit out of LA. LA had a lot of sports science people and a really strangely sophisticated analytics department under Daryl. And, you know, people I know in the LA organization used to say that part of the build out of their other analytics organization was Daryl asking questions that they didn't have the data to back up yet. And so Daryl's- He wanted it. Yeah. Daryl sees the game and he goes, oh, you know what's actually useful? I want to find out this. And the data people go, oh, we don't track that yet. And Daryl probably look at him and go, well, maybe you, figure, maybe you should figure out how, because that would help me. Yeah. And so, like, yeah, things, things like, you know, the types of scoring chances that the goalies give up, you know, uh, when, you know, and even talking to the goalies that when the goalies are tired, what types of scoring chances give them more trouble? And so the the Leans have a big book on Markstrom. That's one of the reasons why they got Markstrom because he played a ton in Vancouver and they had a book on him from, you know, their analytics department, basically doing a lot of video work on him. So there was no secrets about Jacob Markstrom when they got him and he's been what they expected him to be. And I think the only challenge is now the, the toughest four games of his career as a flame have been this week. And it's had a bad week. Of course it's in the second round in the battle of Alberta. He has a rough stretch. Like, of course, Murphy's like you're 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 having you're having a bad week in the one week you're playing the the best shooter in the world and your your defensemen are having challenges uh helping you out 
during a time where they're playing against the best player in the world. So it's, I, I know it's probably no, you know, uh, depending on how the series goes next week or so, it's, it's a cold comfort to folks to go, you know, oh, well, yeah, so they got McDavid. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I'm basically, I'm basically saying that it's, it's a, a series of circumstances that they had no control over. You can't control when your guys get injured. You can't control when, for lack of a better term, the, the PDO gods come home to roost, uh, the PDO chickens, the PDO pony. If Markstrom can come out and have a huge game five, he's going to shut everybody up. And as simple as for a day or two. And if for a day or two. Well, you know what? I think if they, it's, it's the disparity between losing in five and losing in six is huge. Like losing in four or five really seems like you're like, oh, you got smoked. Losing in six or seven, it's like, ah, they put up a good fight. And like, that's the line. And it's, 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 it's a huge line. So like being able to even push it to six, I think that even, even if they end up losing, which we don't know what's going to happen, they got to play the games first, but even pushing it to six would, I think a lot of fans would go, okay. Okay. Because last time they made the second round, the ducks dispatched them in five, even one more game further. It's like, okay, well, that's the, that's the most successful game. Six in the second round would be the most successful season since 2004. The bar is quite low right now. The team's great. We don't. We're we're not going to worry about the roster changes and everything that's, else. Until that's that's a problem for episode until thirty-four. This is actually, the until the book on this season is a hundred percent closed, not creeping closed, not open until it's a hundred percent closed. That's when we worry about that crap. Right now, go out and worry about starting game five. Good. And then the shift after that, and then your shift after that. Okay. That's all you need to focus on. Sh- Shane and I had this discussion off air and we're going to have this discussion on air because i like the answers we gave okay so shane let's yes. just say the flames are unsuccessful in their comeback attempt in this series and that this is the last series the flames play and Abbott moves on to play probably colorado would you say the flame season has been a success yes i Why? believe it has because it's the, how they got here has been different they they got pushed to the brink in game seven and they survived they found a way through it they, they found a way through amazing goaltending. Uh, in 15-16, it was a flash in the pan, or 2014-15, sorry. It was a flash in the pan. They had to come from behind all year. They made it. It was a miracle. They ended up with the weakest matchup in the playoffs. It was literally basically the 15th seed playing the 16th seed, and one of them had to win. Calgary wins, and then they get dismantled easily by a Ducks team. And I remember that Ducks series very vividly. They didn't, they didn't even have a step on them at any point. They were, they were getting run over, run out of the building in every section. 18-19 comes along. You don't even have time to think. The Colorado Avalanche take you out. You play rough down the stretch. It's, it's, there, there's no optimism going in. The bubble, you have players hurt. It's such a unique situation. There's no fans, the rules, the medical, all that stuff. This year, they were great all season. They were consistent. They're still playing consistent hockey in the playoffs. It sucks. You run into world-class goaltending and then the best player in hockey. And you're trying to survive these things and you're doing a decent enough job. You're, you're, you're not losing these games 6 nothing. There's 5-3. With, you take the empty net goals, it's 4-3. It's 4-3. Like They've lost two games by one goal. It's, it's and- not crazy different, not like a 5-1 blowout. And, now, I, and I would say, if I, if I could jump in, I would say, you know, you're, you're playing, the first round series was a series that the old Flames would lose. They'd find a way to lose. They'd mm-hmm. change up what they're doing. They'd 
you know, they'd open up too much, give Dallas, you know, that, that, that seemed like that was a series of the old Flames. You know, look, the, the old Flames two years ago lost that series in six, and this seemed like the kind of series that Flames would lose in six in the olden days, maybe five. They won in seven, and they deserved to win in seven. Mm-hmm. They probably could have deserved to win earlier, but they just couldn't get they a goal, and they just they just kept at it. And I think they, that that's, to me, that says the Flames took a step. Uh, that they're a much more sure team than they were oh, yeah. two years ago, a year ago, however long ago. And that, you know, they're good. They took a step. And then they've come up against the best player in the world and a team and an organization that knows them the best. And, you know, I'd say playing against the, the Edmonton Oilers, I think that, you know, they didn't play their game until the fourth game of the series. And, you know, we'll see how long, how long the series lasts. But I think, you know, I don't, I'm a Sepsis fan in the, in the, the classic episode, Bart Kearney, where uh, Homer and Bart outsmart the Kearneys. At the end, uh, Cooter, uh, who's, uh, who was voiced by the late, great Jim Barney, said to his son, son, there's no shame in getting beaten by the best. And if you're, if you're trying to say that the Edmonton Oilers aren't that good, I think you're really ignoring a lot of really good things they've been doing since uh, Jay Woodcroft came in. And I think you're ignoring a lot of really good things that a lot of their players have been doing. I mean, Mike Smith is 40. He is what he is. He's on a heater. But so many of their other players are just having outstanding seasons and outstanding series. And forwards are playing like top end forwards. Yeah, I, I think. And you know, if if the if the idea is like, okay, like are the Flames getting the beats, the the, the breaks beaten off them in these four games? No, they've been right there with them. It's been it's been a game of inches. It's been a game of mistakes. And if you come away at the end of a series saying, you know what, you went up and played against Connor Friggin McDavid and a really good hockey club with what, two or three exceptional, exceptional forwards, maybe three or four exceptional forwards. I think we're, you know, I think some people underrate, you know, you can say what you want about Evander Kane's you can score goals, extracurriculars. Please. He's a great goal scorer. Score. Uh, Zach Hyman's great in all three zones. Uh, uh, Brian Newton Hopkins is very good. And they're, they're bottom six. I mean, some of their guys are great. I really like Ryan McLeod. Ryan I was McLeod's just about to good. say, of all of the six guys in the bottom six, Ryan McLeod's actually stood out. He's okay. gonna, he's gonna be like he's he's building up well. So I think you know, and and the Oilers have gotten some good good contributions from the D, and the D have been supporting their forwards really well. The goal, you know, I think you, know, you got if 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 this series doesn't go the way the Flames and Flames fans want them to go, I don't like you know it's the 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 professional wrestling's the Nature Boy Ric Flair. When he is building up, uh, you know, promoting matches with the the guy, the player, the, the wrestlers he was facing for the world title, he would spend like weeks talking up how great these team, these other opponents are, because that way, if he loses to them, he lost to somebody good, and if he beats them, he beats somebody good. So there's no, there's really no downside for him in building up his opposition. And I think for the for Flames fans, I mean, you know, if this doesn't go the way you want to you know, as, as much of the sour taste of leaving your mouth. And I'm sure, you know, you don't want to do this in front of the most boisterous Oilers fans that, you know, uh, we know many of them who run our sister site up North, uh, but you gotta, you gotta, you know, what's the old saying game recognized game. You know, there's no shame in being beaten by a good team. The flames beat a good team in the first round. I did an interview, I did an interview this morning or this afternoon for global, uh, discussing the series. And so there's 32 teams in the NHL. Half don't even make the playoffs. And mm-hmm. then it gets cut down to eight. And then it gets cut down to four. The fact that Flames are even in contention for a final four spot is a massive step forward for the organization. And we'll be, you know, we obviously will have to have conversations about, okay, well, they took a step. 
how do they stay in contention for a top four spot? That's the same a, mentality. A, that's a, it's, I think the mentality, I think they're going to have to make some, some smart moves over the offseason, but I think they mm-hmm. put themselves in a situation where they have a good, you know, a really good foundation to build off of. And Daryl, you know, as Shane, you listen to everything that Daryl says, mm-hmm. uh, so do I. You know, Daryl's talked a lot about building a foundation this year. And I think win, lose, or draw in this series, I think you have to acknowledge that the Flames have built a very nice foundation that probably wasn't there to this extent in previous seasons. And it's not just players, but it is a lot of the players. And it's not just mentality, but a lot of it is mentality. It's a lot of different things that had to coalesce. And I think if you go, oh, it's a lost season, I think you're missing a lot of the really good things that were done this year, both at the NHL level, the AHL level, and elsewhere. And anyone that's worried about Daryl, Daryl's not a spring chicken no more, but he's got a good coach working with him and Kirk Muller. And he's, he's got four or five good coaches working yeah. with him. Well, well Muller is the guy that came in this year, but all of them, and they're learning this foundation. They're learning what he's, he's come in. Daryl Sutter's come in. He's changed everything about how the Calgary Flames operate on a, on a day-to-day basis. He's changed how they play on a day-to-day basis. And he's changed how the mentalities, if even if you listen to the players media, I know you do, Pike, because you're part of the media availabilities, but the players, when they talk to the media, how they talk to the media, the words they say to the media, the mentality, the, the discourse around it, it's different. And it, it's this whole year has been a different Calgary Flames team than we've seen since the early 2000s. And it's Daryl left, the, the, the attitude, the mentality left. He's come back. He's brought it back. They need to find a way, no matter what happens, 10 years from now to keep this mentality you want to keep that winning mentality you lose it you don't want to lose you want to win that cup every single year you're drafting guys can draft good players in the 20s even if you do have a good season you don't win you can find great players in the 20s they're 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 gonna find they're gonna find somebody good at like 65 this year they always do they always rasmus anderson and oliver shillington are second round picks of this team shillington was the last player picked in the second round the year he yeah, he's 60th overall, I think. 60. You know, it was not quite last. I think there was uh 61 or 62 that year. No, he was the, la- no, he was the last one. He was the last one. They 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 traded up to get him in the very last pick in the second yeah. round. Yeah. So so like like they can find good players without top end picks as long as you consistently have a mentality. You can develop these players if they show up and they understand it's a winning environment. Like there's a reason Jacob Pelche didn't play a game with the Flames this year. Because he's down there, he's down in Stockton or future, we can say this now, future Calgary uh, affiliate team. We don't know where they're going to play or what their name is, but we have ideas, but we're not allowed to say them yet. Yeah, exactly. You guys don't know that yet, but he's, he's down there. He's playing games and he's down there. Him and Wolf are winning, trying to win a championship. They're trying to understand what it takes to do that. So when they come up, they're ready. As, as an aside, as an aside, uh, Stockton, playing a very good Colorado Eagles team in the second round. Glenn Godden, unavailable for the team. I assume he's injured. We're not going to get it's – it's the playoffs. You're not going to get information. So Glenn Godden, their first-line center, unavailable. There's a hole in their first line. Who are they put in there? Rory Karens, uh, the second-leading scorer in the OHL, he came into camp, or it, you know, practiced with the team for a week or so, and they say, oh, Glenn can't play. Rory, how about you? And Rory played, you know, regular minutes in – a second round playoff series for his teams, you know, his NHL parents, minor league club. Two years after he was drafted, Rory Karens has made strides. He is a natural center. That is something I'm very interested in. He's not big. I think eventually he ends up on the wing, but 
I'm willing to be, Rory, if you're listening, I'm willing to be proven wrong. I don't care. I'll look, if, if, he if he turns into a good NHL player, I don't care what, what where he plays. If he can figure out how to play like Braden Point, he'd be great up the middle, right? Like yeah. Point's not big, right? Yeah. Like you can be an effective center. It's about, Sutter says, it's not about size. It's about how you how you do your checking. Like Manjapani is fantastic at it. That's why his underlying numbers are great. It's because he knows how to pursue the puck. He knows how to be in constant pursuit and where to get those turnovers and where to be able to pounce. And he's a 35 goal scorer with, great defensive metrics he's that's fantastic playing with guys like him like he's a guy that should stay a long time we'll, we'll see we right now i'm worried about game five and the first shift in game five and please don't let a goal in in the first 30 seconds that seems to be a trend for everybody for both how teams, about we, for both how, teams. About we, how about we just come out and just play a good solid game fingers crossed for a scoreless first from both teams that'd be yep. that'd be yep. fun that would, that would that would give march that would that's that is that plays right into the flames books scoreless first great and last time though it didn't work out for the, in the second but we'll see we'll only, see only see like we could talk about it till the cows come home but it's time to play yeah so that'll, that'll do it for uh, for this week's episode uh as per usual we're brought to you by doordash and by eau claire distillery makers of rupert's whiskey the official whiskey of the calgary flames and hopefully there will be uh you know a few another game or two or three left for Flames fans to toast either in celebration or in commemoration because you know like I said half the teams don't even make the playoffs you think you think you think the the, the folks at Canucks Army and the Vancouver Canucks fans wouldn't be like oh man if only we had you know a first round exit to cover uh so it's 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 been it's been enjoyable uh, you know and hopefully everyone is having fun and staying out of trouble and largely enjoying themselves I know playoff hockey can be stressful on many physical and metaphysical levels but hopefully everyone's staying hydrated staying limbered up and having some fun uh for shane i'm ryan uh, we'll talk to you guys next week when hopefully fingers crossed there's more hockey to talk about see you next week Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.